you're giving, we get to reach people for Jesus throughout the entire world. So we are in the third week of our series, The Four Stages of Belief. And this week we're talking about the growing believer. We've already done the seeker. We've done the last week, Pastor Craig talked about new believers. And this week we're looking at growing believers in Jesus. Time to grow up. Any of y'all ever said that to your kids? All right, it's time to grow up, kid. You need to stop acting like a child and grow up. Maybe you've said that to your parents. I don't know. And it's funny because the first week we did a poll. We let everybody in your notes, we let you say, hey, out of these four steps of belief, where do you think you are at? Do you think you're a seeker? Do you think you're a new believer? Do you think you're a growing believer? Or do you think that you're fully surrendered to Jesus within limits? Because nobody's ever perfect at that. And it was kind of cool to see. We had about 25 of you upstairs responded, and there was a good mix of people at different stages saying, you know, this is really kind of how I self-identify. And it was cool to see the, the mix. And there's definitely, though, for some of us, it's like, hey, you know, there's definitely right now where I'm at, there's some steps that I need to take to maybe grow up a little. And that's okay. I think everyone always has those steps to take. And maybe you, you're a seeker and you're, you're trying to figure out what you really believe about Jesus. Or maybe you're a new believer like Pastor Craig talked about last week. And I hope you, if you are, if you are kind of at that point, that you really listened to what he was telling you to do. But this week, we're, we're getting into a little bit of the more mature levels. We're getting into the growing believer. And for those of you who kind of say, yeah, that's me, I can read the Bible on my own. I can pray on my own. And I can, you know, you know, and it's not perfect, but there's times where I, I feel like I can hear what God is telling me to do. I can get an impression of that. This message is for you today. It's how you can get from where you're at right now to whatever your next step is to get you to where you're fully surrendered to Jesus, which is where we all want to end up being. If today you're here and you're like, hey, I'm before that, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm a seeker. I'm still just figuring out what I believe. Or you're a new believer, you're like, some of this I may not be ready for yet. For you, this is a roadmap, and you can say, you know what? This is someplace that I really want to end up at. This is where, I, this is where I'm headed. So as I'm developing and I'm growing, I, this is, I know now a target of where I want to be. And next week will be like that for you too. Now let's say you're one of my like super insane, fully surrendered followers of Jesus here at Element Church, and you give Jesus all of your time, your talent, your treasure, your plans. That's you today. This is your guide to discipling people who are that step before you. Who are maybe they're in your life group, or you just maybe they're at work and they're just a Christian and you're friends with them. This is your 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 little thing. Hey, I, this is how you can help these people grow. Because at every step we have to think, how do I not get stuck where I'm at? But how do I keep moving forward? How do I keep taking steps to fully live out the mission that Jesus has put me on earth to fulfill his mission. What Jesus has for us is always better than what we would have for ourselves. 
So if you missed, like we have the four stages of leaf up here. They're at elementlife.com in your notes. Talk about the difference between a seeker, which is someone who's still considering the claims of Jesus and is visiting a church, a new believer who has come to faith in Christ, their sins have been forgiven, and they're kind of learning how this whole Christianity Christianity things works. How do I live an empowered life on Jesus' mission by His Spirit? The growing believer, who as we just said, can read Scripture, pray, and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for themselves. And also, the growing believer is consistently engaged in church community through presence and service. And lastly, a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. who That's when Jesus has full control of your time, your talent, your treasure, and your plans. Not that when you're fully surrendered, you ever get that perfect, because you don't. But in general, that's the case. So say this with me today. Say, there is a step I can take to grow as a disciple of Jesus. There is a step I can take to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Wherever you're at today in that whole scale, and that's a very broad kind of generic scale, but it's a scale. Wherever you're at, there's a step you can take. And maybe you'll hear one of those today. So today's message is really centered in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter that the, uh, the Apostle Paul, who was an early follower of Jesus, he wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus. So people who lived in Ephesus were called Ephesians, kind of like how you're called a Pittsburgher, right? The letter of Paul to the Pittsburghers. Uh, that one's not in there. Not, or is it next to the book of First Opinions, Pastor Craig? Okay. But Paul wrote a letter to this church in Ephesus. And so I'm going to skim a couple of parts in the fourth chapter because we don't have time to go through the whole thing today. Uh, but we're going to kind of get an impression here of what it's all about. And he, he starts in verse 1. He says, because Paul's a prisoner. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he gives some stuff about that. But it goes on to say, then we will no longer be infants. Sounds like growing up, right? We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him, the whole body joined together and held by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul is talking about maturity in this passage. Talking about not being an infant anymore. Because grown adults should not act like infants, right? That'd be weird. And so Paul is calling us to live worthy to the calling that Jesus has given us. He's calling us to live empowered lives for Jesus' mission. Because this isn't about growing up for the sake of growing up. It's about growing up so that we can be the people that Jesus has made us to be from the very beginning of the age. That from the very beginning, we were designed to live in fellowship with God and to participate in God's purposes for His creation, which is Jesus' mission. And Paul talks about all these 
different things in here. He talks about each part doing its work. Hey, you're supposed to work. That means if, if you're following Jesus and, and, you don't, and you don't see your, your place, that you should start looking. Start looking for how, what, where you're called to do, what you're called to be, because we were called to do our work. We could look at the ideas that they're talking about not living not to get, but to give. Because Jesus, the, the Son of God, it says in another one of Paul's letters, talks about how Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And Jesus is our example. And so when we look at Christian maturity, when we look at growing up as a follower of Jesus, we really have to start looking at our lives and figuring out what we believe and why. Because very often, we, we can read a passage like this where Paul is talking about all these very humble ideas about, hey, you can't be an infant. You've got to be able to speak the truth in love. You've got to grow to be the mature body. And often we get stuck at the new believer step or we get stuck at the growing believer step because we don't want to grow up because we think we're going to lose something. We think that if I, well, if I grow up, then I'm going to have to deal with this, or I'm going to have to, to quit doing that, which is, might be true. But we, it, we think that somehow that's going to be a loss. We think that if we forgive that person that we hate, that it's going to be a loss. When what Jesus is actually offering you is being truly alive for the first time. So we actually, when we give up and we embrace what Jesus has for us, we gain everything. So what are your next steps, growing believer? What are your next steps? Attend church and life groups. What a concept. Now, am I preaching to the choir? Y'all are at church. So some of you figured it out at least a little bit, right? You're here. But more than just attending church and life groups, I would tell you that if you're a growing believer, you should be very engaged in your life group. You should be talking to your life group leader and saying, hey, these other people in the group, is there someone that you need me to partner with to maybe talk to them about Jesus or or meet with them for coffee so that they can ask me questions. If you're a growing believer, you should have enough of a, of a grip on, on the Bible and what you believe that you can help in your life group by helping other people grow spiritually. Because life groups are all about taking our big church and then taking it down into small community where people really can get to know each other. And so if you're a growing believer, life groups are not just about you. And as you grow spiritually, this keeps happening Every single thing you do becomes less about you and more about others. So even attending church, we attend church, we, we should get something out of church, we should. We, we get, but we're coming to church, A, to worship. So actually, this is a worship service. The whole, every part of it is a worship service. When we sing, when we give, when we listen to the preaching of the word, when we take communion, it's all not supposed to be about us. Instead, it's about taking worship and offering it up to Jesus. It's not about what you can get out of church. It's about what you can give to Jesus. And more than that, as you grow spiritually, it's about what you can give to each other through service. We worship, which is the key focus of everything, but also 
How do we serve each other? Because Jesus made the church a community. 2 Timothy 2.2, another one of these letters. This one is not written to a church, but actually to a person by the name of Timothy, who was a pastor. He said, Paul says to him, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul is telling this pastor of a church, hey, by the way, these reliable, these things that you've heard me say that teach about how the church should be, you need to instruct people in your church who can teach others to teach others. The same idea. As you have growing believers in your church, we need to build them up with Scripture and God's truth so that they can teach other people. So it's not just all about people with a title in front of their name. It's not about Pastor Eric. It's not about Pastor Craig. It's not about Pastor Tim. It's not about Pastor Fran. Our job is actually to equip you to do ministry. But because of the consumeristic nature of America, we've twisted that. And we think that, hey, well, we have professionals to do ministry for us. That's never been what the Bible teaches. We're to equip you to do Jesus' mission. Just like Pastor Craig talked about last week with the new believers the, the, that, in, that, in the verse in Hebrews, like you should be teachers by now. And if you're at the growing believer step, you should be teachers by now. You should be empowered to do Jesus' work yourself. Now that looks different for every person. That doesn't mean you've got to go to seminary. It's expensive. Don't. I don't know. Uh, but it means that in whatever way it looks like in your life, you should be able to disciple others. You should be able to impart spiritual truth to others. I'm so off my notes. All right. So we can go back to this idea of, of presence. And just to kind of summarize the idea, new believer versus growing believer. A new believer is a baby in Scripture, right? Spiritual baby. Babies come to church or they come to events to be fed. You feed a baby. But if you've made it to growing believer, you're no longer just here to be fed. You're here to do work. You're, what the Scripture kind of de de defines these different stages as, as baby, young men, and we're going to spread that out to women, and then the fathers. And so these young men, young women, you're here to serve, to you're young, you're strong. So then, in Ephesians 4, 16, Paul writes this. He says, For him, the whole body, joined together and held together by each supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We can close out this idea of, hey, what, what's our next step if we're a growing believer? It's this idea that we are each one, we're the part of this each part, and for the whole body is joined together. It's building itself up in love because every single part is doing its work. Because if every single part doesn't do its work, then you've got this Frankenstein body that, you know, maybe the right leg's doing its work, but the left leg's got nothing, and the, the neck isn't doing its work, and 
for the body of Christ to work, you've got to do your work. We are present at church. We're present at life groups if we want to grow into our next step. We're not just present to be served, but to serve. What's our other next step? Oh, this is a fun one. Give. Money. We already took the offering, so I'm not hitting you up for more money right now. Our wallet shows where our heart is. A growing believer starts to grow in giving. And not just a church. A better word than giving might even be generosity. Every growing believer and fully surrendered follower of Jesus who's really doing it that I know has, is being transformed in generosity. Now, Paul kind of touches on this indirectly in Ephesians 4, in the part where he's saying, hey, so I tell you this, that you will no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to enjoy, indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of what? Greed. So he's writing this letter so that they can be mature, so they would no longer live the worldly way that the Gentiles do. And he kind of summarized that idea and say, hey, they're indulging in impurity, so they're sinning and doing things that they should not be doing, but also they're full of greed. So Paul is definitely implying here that greed has no place in Jesus' people. There's a lot in Scripture about generosity. It's easy to preach on because I can find just all sorts of stuff to, to throw out there. I'm telling you, because of all the things you're a growing believer that can mess you up, greed will mess you up. Because when you start getting greedy, you start sound, sounding like an infant again. Because what do little two-year-olds do? They reach over, they grab something, and they go, Mine! Mine! And you're like, no, mine. <laughs> we don't play with phones. We don't play with phones. Mine. Greed is when you reach out and you say, mine. And one of the steps, you're a growing believer, you want to get to fully surrendered? Well, fully surrendered, one of those things that you've got to give over to Jesus is your treasure. And you go from saying, mine, to yours. You don't get to keep any of it. Now, Jesus, Jesus is wonderful. He has a steward his stuff. You know what? Jesus lets us spend a lot of it on us. <laughs> Jesus is cool with me having a budget and with buying food and having an, a nice place to live and even a TV and cars and, you know. But ultimately, every single thing that I own is Jesus's. And if he says, you need to sell that and do this, you're fully surrendered to Jesus, the answer is, sure, it's yours anyway. It's not mine. It's that heart change. The kingdom of God is always about where our heart is, not what we do things because our heart in the, is in the right place. Because if we're just doing stuff to be spiritually impressive to other people, Jesus is not impressed. 
you could sell all that you have and give to the poor, but if you, if you don't do it for the right reasons, if you don't have love when you do it, then it's worth nothing. Jesus, in fact, says this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if your money is going out in a way that's pleasing to Jesus because you're, you're giving it over to him, you're going to find your heart is in that same place. And treasure, right? That's a weird word for nowadays, but what that means is where, where that money in your wallet goes, that's where your heart will be also. Where you write checks to, you know, the three of us that still have checkbooks. Maybe where your online bank statement says your money is going because it's never touched your wallet in any way. Well, that's where your heart is also. And I wanted to address this specifically because we often talk about spiritual growth in like scripture reading. Hey, we need to be able to read the Bible more. We need to understand more of what we read. Makes sense. We do that. And that's why this year in life groups, we're going through the whole Bible with those cool videos so that when you read Scripture, you're going to understand it better. We often talk about spiritual growth through that. We talk about spiritual growth through prayer. We could even talk about spiritual growth through service. But I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't let you know that your spiritual growth is also connected to where your giving is. Because it really is. Jesus talks about money all the time. And it's not a legalistic thing where Jesus loves you more if you give more. But as, as we learn to grow in generosity, we find that we, because we're, we're looking at everything from the right perspective, which is that I don't own it, you do, that your heart starts to soften and be transformed and become more like Christ. So we need to ask ourselves, especially the growing believers, how we can grow spiritually in our generosity. Our other next step is we're going to talk about speaking. And this is connected to the, the first one a little bit, our attending, but I really think that the, our, one of our next steps as a growing believer is how do I engage in Jesus' mission and am I able and willing to share what I believe with other people? How am I able to, this is the theology word, disciple others? I need to be able to communicate what I believe and why. A funny thing happens in the book of Acts at about the 8th chapter. So the church ordains a bunch of deacons to serve so the apostles don't have to. And then suddenly a great persecution hits the church and scatters the church out of Jerusalem. And they end up all over the place. And Acts tells us this, is those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And the people scattered weren't just the apostles. It was regular Christian church people were scattered out. And it says that here that all those people who had been scattered preached the word. Not just the apostles preached the word, but everyone did. And then we go on to see about one of the deacons named Philip. And the deacons, we hear that word and we think like church board member deacons. The deacons in the book of Acts were there to serve food to people. That was their job. So the people that were taking care of the needs of the widows and the orphans. We see this example of a guy named Philip who goes and he preaches the word all over the place. They preached the word wherever they went. What is your wherever? And what are you doing about discipling people where you end up? 
Because that's a mark of a growing believer. It's true both in your day-to-day life. It's also true if we go back to your present in the church community. In the church community, you're called to be present and able to, to speak into people's lives. Ephesians 4.15, Paul instructs us to speak the truth in love. And in doing so, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. We're called to speak the truth in love. So if you're a growing believer and you're, you're learning more about the Bible and you're starting to become mature, then you're able to the people around you in your life group to speak the truth to them in love. The problem there is sometimes we have to be careful that our pride doesn't get us and we don't speak the truth in order that we feel more spiritual than the person next to us. But instead, thinking that that other person is better than ourselves, how do we speak the truth and love to them? This is connected into one of our values as a church, which one of our values in our church is that we believe in radical truth-telling with grace. So we believe in in telling the truth. We believe in, in, in confronting things when it's appropriate, but with grace. If we think about that, we think about speaking the truth in love. We come to the truth, which is spiritual growth often requires pain. If you want to go from seeker to new believer to growing believer to fully surrendered to Jesus, you will face growing pains at every step through the way. Especially when things like this, when you start embracing that you know, God's called me to disciple people, When you speak the truth to people, sometimes they'll reject you. When you speak the truth to people, you you will find that they sometimes scatter off. When Jesus was preaching and he had a large crowd following him and and he starts talking about, hey, this this is my body, this is my blood. If you don't drink it, you have no life in you. It says that the people who followed him left. If it happened to Jesus, it'll happen to you. There's pain in it. But we're called to speak the truth in love. We're called to be people who radically tell truth with grace. We're called to be people as we grow who are able to communicate what we believe and disciple others. Lastly, a growing believer should start really seriously thinking about the idea of membership in a local church. Membership is simply this. It's committing yourself to service and accountability in a local church. And this gets all tied up in American legal stuff. I'm a, I'm a member. You may be, what was that old American Express ad about membership anyway? But I do love that the Bible sometimes describes us as members. Ephesians 3.6 says, This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And when Scripture's talking about that, they're saying, hey, we, we are members of one body. And how that looks at Element Church is membership for us is saying, hey, I'm committed to this church, and I'm committed to each other. It's saying that this is my family and I'm going to be the hand, the leg, the eye that Jesus has called me to be. And it's saying I'm willing 
to be accountable as a member of that body to people telling me the truth with grace. It's stepping into the community of accountability. Jesus talking about forgiveness. He says, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Only God can judge me. No, he will. But actually, if you are a member, if you are a brother or a sister in church accountable community, you're saying, I want radical truth-telling in, in, with grace because I can embrace the pain that that will cause when someone has to tell me I'm doing something wrong because that's going to help me take my next step to be more fully devoted to Jesus. When you get this, you will be able to grow spiritually much more rapidly than people who do not. Because most people, when they encounter this, they think of membership. They think of membership as what, here's something I can get. If I'm a member, I get this privilege. I get to vote. I get, I get, I get. But if you realize that membership is really about stepping up so that people can kind of you in the face when you're doing something stupid, and they can help you to get you to where you need to be as a follower of Jesus then you have encountered face-to-face -face the difference between being a church consumer and a church member. You have said, this is family, and so no matter what, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not in this for what I can get. I'm not in this so that if the sermon's bad one week, I can go. Find the next sermon that I like. No, these are, these are my family. These are my brothers and my sisters, and we are in this for no matter what. Ephesians 2, or Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. I, I, this is what I, when I hear accountability, when I hear membership, I, I love this little slice of scripture. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Through the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called the one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. A true church member, someone who has said this is family, is humble. Humble people are willing to receive correction. They're gentle. They're patient with each other because you know what? We're all imperfect people on a journey together. And we're saying that as an element church, no one fights alone. We talked about that a lot this year, right? When no one fights alone, then sometimes we have to be patient with each other because everyone's facing a different struggle. We see this word unity. And unfortunately, our culture has taught us so much consumerism that sometimes when we we walk face-to-face -face into actual family relationships. And let's be honest, most of our families are pretty messed up. So when we deal with things like an actual family should, which is truth-telling with grace, we leave. When somebody confronts us with truth, says you are doing something wrong, you are doing something dumb, you're going to face consequences, Jesus doesn't like that. This is going to hurt you. You need to go to rehab. We leave. 
because it doesn't, it doesn't meet our needs and we're still messed up and we're thinking about us. All right, I'm probably out of time. What barriers can keep me from my next step? What barriers can keep me from my next step? If you are a growing believer, this is pretty simple. I love Ephesians 4.17 once again. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. This goes back to this idea that we somehow think that we're going to miss out on something if we fully surrender to Jesus. We think that we're going to miss out on getting to do things, and instead we don't realize that Jesus is offering us everything. And maturity and getting to being a fully surrendered follower of Jesus means giving up on thinking our old way. And instead thinking in the upside-down kingdom of God where the first is last and the last is first. Fully surrendered means Jesus has full control of our lives. Not that we always get it right, but just in general that Jesus, you're in charge. Our barrier, and we've said this before, is our white knuckles. When we grip onto something and we won't let it go. I think there's two big things on this. One is we're either white knuckling on one of the four. Our time, our talent, our treasure, or our plans. For most people who are a growing believer, your barrier is one of those four you do not want to give up to Jesus. And you think, if I could just hold on to this one, then I'll have this security blanket that I can wrap myself in, that I still have control. Because I, deep down, what you think is that if I give this to Jesus, I will lose it. Instead of realizing that all four of those, if you give them to Jesus, you actually gain everything. Because he can handle each one of those four parts of your life better than you possibly could. Because he's God, and you're not. You would make a terrible God. But Jesus is good, and he loves us more than we could possibly imagine. Also, though, in our white knuckles sometimes, related to this is an old attitude, habit, or hang-up. Sometimes it's something like unforgiveness. We still want to hate someone or a group of someones. Sometimes it's something a little simpler. Maybe sometimes it's a habit. Maybe there's things on your computer that shouldn't be on your computer and you need to deal with it, get accountable to someone. Whatever it is, an attitude, a habit, or a hang-up, that will keep you from growing into fully surrendered. But today, there is a step you can take to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Today, what is it? I can't tell you that. But somewhere deep down inside right now, there's something. There's something. Even if this isn't your step you're at today, I'm sure you've heard something today. This is your next step to take so that you can follow 